Blog Talk Radio. A podcast featuring Elvira Love and Phoenix LaFay, two out-of-the-room-closet professional witches with over 70 years' combined experience of making magic. This is a show on the LMC Radio Network. During each show, Elvira and Phoenix will help you create rituals, make spells, make potions, and much more besides. They'll spend time speaking about different goddesses from all over the world, paying attention to the ancient reverence of long-ago cultures and infusing it with a modern perspective. Elvira, Phoenix, take it away. It's Friday. Yay! <laughs> I mean, come on, we're, we're, we're doing good, we're doing good. I yeah. kind of look out and I go, it's, you know, it's really weird because I was talking to someone in Southern California uh, yesterday and he's saying, mm-hmm. and he's saying, it's raining, it's really raining down here. And I said, no, up here it's clear and it had, you know, a little breeze. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. oh, there's no rain in sight. So that's how, no. you know, strange even California can be for all yeah. of us. But, uh, it's yeah, it's warm out. I have all of our sliding glass doors open right now. So if you hear any background noise, I apologize. It's probably someone driving by or noise from the grocery store across the street. <laughs> really? It's kind of like, okay, well, I know it's for a so fact nice. that it is nice, and I noticed that it has a breeze. I mean, it's weird. I can walk my dogs in my park, and I can walk around one section, and I can hit the other section, and there's no breeze. There's no wind. Mm, I mean, yeah. not that they, when yeah. we have wind, wind, it doesn't. But it's like my where my place is at, it's like this corridor of, you know, mm. the breeze and the wind. And I was doing that, and I was going, okay, what I'm wearing is okay. Then I get around the corner, and I'm going, it's not okay. So I had to mm-hmm. divest myself of, you know, a, a later when I came home figuring well, I'm going out, and so chances are where I was at is more reasonable to do that. So, but yeah, yeah, it's funny where we used bit. to live. Our front yard would be totally warm and comfortable. Like we could have a picnic out there, and the backyard would be so chilly and windy that you couldn't be in the backyard at the same time. So we, especially wow. when the kids were little, we rarely did things in the backyard because the morning would be really still and quiet. And then right around 11 to 1 o'clock, it, the wind would kick up, but it, was not, it wouldn't go into the front yard. It's so weird, little oh. microclimates and the way fern, uh, buildings can shift weather. It's just super weird. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it makes you really kind of go, you know, there's some really weird things that go on here. And I know that mm-hmm. it's you know, even dressing to get out and like, I'm going to go to Santa Rosa and you get yourself from where you're at to Santa Rosa and it's like hot or cold or whatever. So, yeah, but it's still beautiful outside. So I'm I'm presently saying that from inside with the windows slightly open, but not a lot of them. Um, yeah. But yeah, so how was your week? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, I was telling Elvira before the show started, I signed a lease this week on a uh, a little office, partially because I don't have an office. Like I, I work at my kitchen table in my dining room, which is fine, but it's not really. 
Um, and uh, Milk and Honey manufactures a lot of products. We make oils and sprays and all kinds of things. And I do that all at home, and we're kind of outgrowing that. So I, I have a little office that the exciting part is I get to, like, go out this weekend and find furniture and, <laughs> and set it up. I'm going to paint my office so it's all witchy vibes in there. Um, but, you know, it's um, it's a leap of of faith and all of that, which is a little bit scary. But I also made a commitment to myself a year ago before coronavirus started, before all of the shenanigans, that I was going to start slowly making incremental upgrades to my personal care stuff, like um, like my skincare routine and my shampoo and my the makeup that I use and and then everything locked down. Like I wanted to regularly get my hair done. I haven't ever done things like that in my life. I use like a bar of Dove soap to wash my face. I use whatever shampoo is on sale. Like I've never cared about those things. And, and now I want to take better care of myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and then lockdown happened. So I did none of the things that I said I was going to do, except I did buy fancier makeup on the internet. But this mm-hmm. week I went to a, a medical esthetician and I had a skin consult and I got a very expensive fancy facial and I got expensive fancy face creams and I'm like sticking to this commitment to do better things for myself. So, you know, the sticker shock was definitely a thing because I, you know, I don't ever, I buy Dove soap, which is like a dollar. So for, for, you know, something to cost more than a dollar, I was like, wait, what? (laughs) But it feels really good to be taking care of myself. It's, um, it's nice. It's not something Uh I've ever done. And, and on Saturday I have a hair appointment. What? Oh Who am I? Yeah, so <laughs> it's kind of a week of pampering. That's awesome. That is yeah. great. How are you doing? Well, you know, it's I've hit a, a sort of a, how do I want to put this? I've hit a, a straight edge of movement. I'm just doing what I'm doing to get to the other side of the, the plateau to go to the next level. Um packing, you know, and consistently trying to get focused on that and and do that after, you know, working and, and, you know, bookkeeping and uh, being time with my my furry family and, you know, then a day where, you know, I usually try to give myself a day where I talk to my family wherever they're at, um, FaceTiming them. That's usually Sunday. This last week I didn't because, we had two pe- two sets of people that came through the house. Mm-hmm. I'm selling, and so I had uh, literally had to clean and and you know organize you know because when you're packing you have boxes in your living room you have packing material and you know you you so you have like a, a little area and then you pull everything to where you're going to actually do the packing. I do it on my dining room table, and then you know you put it where you need to put it, which is now my second bedroom, which is a storage unit. And, of course, that means that anyone that wants to come in that you're trying to sell a house to, you have to take all the packing stuff and put it into the second room and then make sure everything is spotless. And you have to, you know, and it was kind of like I did all that, and truthfully, by the time I hit Sunday night, I was getting cranky, and I still had three days of work that I had to go through. So by Thursday, I woke up feeling rather depressed and down, and mm-hmm. I just sat there. And then I, I did a couple of things that I had to go out and do and came back in and just basically stayed quiet and let the dogs and I sat. And, you know, we, we watched some television, and then I had to do some research for our, our particular episode today. And so that was what I did. But it's been, you know... It's been edgy for me and trying to get, you know, get things really focused so I can say I am leaving and this is what I'm doing and this is where we're going. It's interesting you were talking about your, your you know, pampering and, and upgrading things. Um, 
I I say this with all due humor. I come from Southern California, and mm-hmm. the the one thing my last husband used to say is, Southern California, Los Angeles is all about image, and mm-hmm. I laugh because <laughs> I grew up in this environment. Now, I didn't right. grow up with the idea that I was going to, you know, have expensive makeup and and have, you know, like super pampering and all these things. But I grew up with this. And, of course, I went into a certain part of the industry of theater and film and, you know, things. So I, I kind of edged my way in. So getting my hair done and getting, you know, nails. My God, when I was pregnant with Brianna, don't ask me. This is the stupidest thing now that I look back on it. I kept my acrylic nails, <laughs> right? Yeah. They were the beautiful acrylic nails. And I stayed on, now this is the worst thing you can do. I say this now. I was on spike heels because image mm-hmm. is everything. So it was, I was pregnant with his big belly and then I was on spike heels. And it was just nice. like I, I kind of look back going, well, that was, that was, a good balancing, but that was, you know, your body probably was saying, what the hell are you doing? But, um, you know, what, you know, and makeup was, you know, has always been a certain brand, a certain style. And, you know, I don't, you know, I go to certain places to get it and because yeah. that's how I, I grew up in an environment of um, that, not because my family was, mostly because of the things I chose to do as, you know, uh, career or whatever. Right. And now I look at it going, okay, and, you know, it is expensive. And to juggle that and, you know, to to go through the – and it's still sticker shock when you get some makeup and things. It's like I look at it and I go, <laughs> no, I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, for, for this little thing I'm paying, what? You know, that kind of yeah. stuff. Um, I'm like, well, then, it must be worth it then, right? <laughs> <laughs> Our concept of you pay a high price for something, it's worth it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I have no idea because I don't know what I'm doing, but you know what? They were rated well on the Internet, so i got to trust it. <laughs> yeah, well, see, there you go. So, yeah, it's it's kind of like, and, you know, the the idea that it's, it's funny because I even, with the dogs, because they are, I've kept them with their long hair, and, you know, it's like having had a Samoyed, a couple of Samoyeds, I, yeah. Me and a groomer always got best buddies, just like me and a hairstylist. And, um, you know, I mean, I've had other dogs that didn't need it, but I, I'm laughing because when you're talking about this, I'm thinking, well, my dogs don't really have, you know, the bows in the hair and the, the cutesy <laughs> stuff that they would be running around with, but they do go to the groomers every, you know, six weeks to, you know, get washed and brushed and everything because I brush them, but I don't. You don't have a table. You don't put them in a the little harness. You can do it. It's usually I'm sitting there trying to brush them, and they're squiddling like kids that don't want to get their hair brushed. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like, okay. But I find that really good, though. I'm really proud of what you're telling me. I'm thinking, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's a certain level, I think, of, of appreciating our – because when we – when you're young, you're not thinking, uh, well, I can't say that. Most everybody doesn't give the, you know, they, they, they just are going to do whatever they want to do. Now, if depending on where they are and what they're doing, like, you know, you're in Hollywood, you're, you know, you're a San Francisco hippie, you're whatever, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you, there's a certain place that you, you kind of stay in. But then as you get older, I think things change a bit and as you say, you know, pampering yourself or self-care um, yeah. becomes important because nobody is going to give you, no matter how much you have someone in your life who loves you and cares for you, you are the only person that's going to take care of you, personal you stuff. And mm-hmm. I think it kind of, it bodes well for looking at ourselves as, you know, yeah. this is me. I have to you know, be nice, nice to me rather than keep going on until I drop. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's different for everybody, right? Like I don't, I don't give a crap about designer quote unquote things. Like I wouldn't know if a purse was a fancy designer purse. If you told me it was, you know, I wouldn't, that's just not on my radar. 
Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that that's not valid for someone else to make them feel lush and spoiled and luxurious, you know, or going out to dinner somewhere or having flowers in the house or, you know, whatever it is. Like there are ways that there are small little things that all of us can do to offer self-care or pampering or just kindness to ourselves. And we overlook that so often and make it seem like, A, it's not worth it or we're not worthy of it or it's silly. And but it's just, it's so important to do little things, even if it's one little thing to just make yourself feel spoiled. We all deserve yeah. that. Yeah. And I think that's, that. and I know that, um, my stepdaughter, who I talk to on a regular basis, um, even and she's in Roanoke Park, but we're doing our FaceTiming due to, obviously, the pandemic issue. Um, and she was telling me that this is her spring break, and so her daughter, my granddaughter, um, they're going to do, you know, a, a spa day at the house, and they're going to put big up. She got some, you know, oil masks and all these things, and they're going to they're going to do that for Saturday. So, you know, mm-hmm. tomorrow they're doing foot baths and these and that and the other thing and, you know, that kind of stuff. And I think that's if you, you know, doing it and going someplace is great. And yeah. unfortunately the way right now is, is it's a little bit harder, a little bit more, you know, kind of iffy when we start going out there. But even doing it for yourself at home, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Do that. Absolutely. So, I think that that is part of, you know, I mean, we do rituals, we meditate, we do something here, we do something there. Um, I, I I think that's important. I think that's what people may have found, may have found with the pandemic and the lockdown. There may be yeah. more focus because suddenly we're not, I mean, we're doing a lot of things like work from home or whatever it is, but... Um, it's the other things, like, you know, as I said to Phoenix before the show, is that, you know, I kind of hit a skid on Thursday. I sat, I did what I had to do, and then I came home, and I caught a cup of coffee, and, you know, I had a little uh, treat, and then I sat and watched a show that I wanted to watch, and I had the dogs with me, and, you know, I gave myself some space to, to take care of that nurturing aspect. And, you know, that's important, whether it's that little or you go out and go to a salon or, you know, whatever. Um, It's very funny. uh, When I go to, when I have gone to Arkansas to visit, there were three things that I would do. And I would take my daughter and her stepdaughter and my granddaughter, and we would go to this hair salon nail place, and I would treat them all for pedicures and manicures. And then um, my daughter, ha- I have a chiropractor. Well, she has a, they have a masseuse. And then I would treat yeah. her husband, myself, and my daughter for um, an adjustment and then a massage. And that was really kind of, it was nice. It wasn't that I don't, I wouldn't do it here, but when my chiropractor had a masseuse in his office, I would take advantage of that, you know, on a on a fairly regular basis, not every month, but it would be something I would give myself. And I think that's really important because I remember coming away, um, even this last time when I visited, having done that, going, that's important because we we forget it. Yeah, there's a sticker shock or there's this or that, but it's important. It's really important to have that mm-hmm. um, for your own health, mental health. Absolutely. Anyway, I think we've babbled enough. I think we need to. <laughs> Side note. I mean, we have a, we have a show we have subject. to do. Yes. <laughs> I will let you introduce the subject. I kind of said it a little bit, but I will, I will turn yeah. it over to you. Well, today we're going to talk about Balder. That's exciting, right? So, you know, oh, occasionally yeah. we'll do a whole episode on a, a deity. And today, that's in that zone. We're going to talk all about the Norse Germanic god Balder and a little of his story and his whole shtick. So there you have it. There we are. Okay, so 
why don't you give a little because I'm I I see we've got a lot of things, but I, I'm going to just let you kind of give an overview of who he is, what his place, you know, in the in the Norse mythology, and then we will kind of go from there. Does that sound yeah, good? Yeah, sure. Well, and here's something I think that's important to discuss. Um, just like you see within the Greek mythology where the Titans are subdued by the Olympians, a similar thing happens in Norse mythology. And what, when this happens in a mythological context, what we're seeing here in the future <laughs> is <laughs> a culture shift. So back in the old days in the Norse system, there was the Aesir and the Vanir. And the Vanir are kind of like the Titans. They're the old gods. Their um, Freya and her brother and her, their father are the Vanir. And at some point, there is a war between the Aesir and the Vanir, and the war rages and rages and rages. And the Aesir is Odin, Odin and his peeps. And Baldur is Odin's son. So this war rages and rages and rages, and it seems like it's never going to end. So they come to an agreement that they will form this truce and they will trade hostages. And that's how Freya and her brother and their father end up being with the Aesir. They leave the, the kingdom of the Vanir and go and live with their quote-unquote enemies. But we don't know anything prior to this battle. Everything is from, from that point forward when the, the trade has happened and Freya and Freyr are living within the Aesir. We know all about Odin and his people, uh, and this is a shift of culture. And it's likely that we don't know. I'm going to say something and people are going to write me letters and tell me I'm wrong, but we don't know for sure. But it's likely that there was a Germanic leap northward. And so these gods, the Vanir, are from further north, from deep in Norway, from Iceland, from Sweden, deep in the north. And the Germanic peoples swept north and brought with them the Aesir. Because Odin is Germanic. He likely originates in Germany. Well, what we would now call Germany, but really the entire center of Europe was Germanic at one point in time. Right. Why does that matter? Because... Baldur is the symbol of the apocalypse for the Germanic and Norse mythologies. When Baldur dies, it is the triggering of Ragnarok. It is the triggering of the end of times. Uh, and what we see is this recycling of time. It goes from one aeon into the next, just like the Aesir and the Vanir are one aeon. And then the Aesir being the big daddies in charge is the next. So it's Baldir is a very important character in all of this mythology. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I do want to add one thing. There was a third race and that I'm going to, I hope I say this right. Jotun or Jotun. Um, Jotun. They were the Jotun. They were, um, basically giants, and they were considered yes. malevolent, even though they mm-hmm. were wise, and they became the adversaries for both the Aesir and the Vanir. So, yeah. you know, and that interaction um, goes down the road a little bit, too. Yes. Yeah, That's and that's a whole long... <laughs> yeah. Like, if we did a... We could talk about Norse mythology for four weeks still, we would have just scratched the surface. But yes, yeah. there is this, you know, monolithic enemy of the peoples uh, with the Jotuns, the ice giants, the frost giants, right? And it's important to remember what you've seen in comic books and in the movies about Thor is not based on mythology. There are threads of mythology that are accurate, but it's not. <laughs> the whole thing. So just remember thing. that. Just remember that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's yeah. true. And Marvel Comics, all the, all the, you know, everything that they put out, it's kind of interesting. It's kept it modernized. It's brought things modern, just like they have with, you know, the Greeks and, and all of that. But it is not yeah. really. Right, right. Like there's some 
there's some whispers of truth in there, which I love. And you have to remember, like, this is still fantasy and fiction. It's not, if you'd like to read a great book about the Norse gods that is um, written as a fictional book, but it's based in mythology, read Neil Gaiman's book, The Norse Gods. Um, it's really great. Uh, and then just another plug about Norse stuff. If you are interested in look, learning about um, Norse spirituality and um, heathenry, there's a book called Of Fire and Ice by Ryan. The heck is Ryan's last name? Let me, I want to look it up. But this book is so good. Um, there is a, a, there is a bit of a problem um, in the Norse heathen world right now because uh, there's a lot of racism um, and there are folks who follow the heathen system who um, are saying, you know, that they were trying to bring back the old European faith. First of all, there is no old European faith. Europe is not a monolith. There are hundreds, if not, that's probably an exaggeration. There are dozens of countries that are in Europe and they agree on, get this, nothing. They agree on nothing. <laughs> that's it. There is, is no true. ancient European religion. So um, The Way of Fire and Ice, The Living Tradition of Norse Paganism by Ryan Smith. So Ryan, I know personally, he um, is heathen. He is very involved in the heathen community, and he is not a racist. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the books written about heathenry have been written by racists. So please, please vet your authors and look them up before you put money in their pocket because we don't want to support racists, right? Right. right. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. And there's a lot of that that we've, you know, unfortunately has been already brought into the, the mainstream that is, is bad. And it's funny because, and I don't mean that in a ha-ha way, is that yeah. I'm reading all this about, you know, and we'll probably say a little bit about it, but, you know, they have the um, the different, uh, what is it, the prose edda and poetic mm-hmm. edda. And mm-hmm. in it, of course, these are, you know, poems, prose, and things about the, you know, the, the myths and what the, the gods and what was going on and stuff. And they talk about Baldor as shining and white and white and white yeah. and, you know, and, and you kind of get that edge that it's, and it can be skewed. Yeah. For, yeah. for different purposes. And I think in truth, when you're saying something, it's view, it's white, it's shiny. You know, mm-hmm. dark can be shiny, but mm-hmm. in a different way. And yeah. I was, I was reading this, and I'm going, oh boy, this has a double-edged sword attached to it. Mm-hmm. So it is something you do, as you say, vet who and what you're, you know, yeah. going to get information yeah. on. Yeah, and the thing about Balder, right, is he, like, the if you have ever heard the phrase the golden child or, like, the perfect child who can do no wrong, that's Balder. Like, he's yep. just the perfect specimen. He's the perfect child. He's the chosen one. Like, you can't get more, like, holy than Balder. He, and he's even impenetrable. There's, like, this this joke that the the God's favorite, Halftime was to throw things at Balder and try to uh, cause harm because he was impenetrable. You couldn't hurt him. Sure. Well, obviously you could because he dies, but it was it took a very specific uh, protocol to get him to be wounded. Uh, so you know he is this like shining perfect being that all of the future rested upon his shoulders, and this is something like total sidebar, but this is something that I have talked with priestesses about in the past where sometimes there, some people just ooze charisma. Some people don't and have to work really hard to be seen and to be a good ritualist and things like that. But there are other Mm -hmm. folks who are just naturally gifted at charisma. And what happens for these people is all kinds of, and so we see Balder here, as one of those people who is just, he oozes charisma. He's perfect. He's impenetrable. He is the great hope of the Norse gods. 
and he has to carry that burden. And that might not sound like a burden, but it is. Like, he is the hope of his people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I know that, you know, when we look at, when we hear, you know, I mean, I knew something of this, and I, I kind of got into reading about the different things. And it began to be really interesting because logistically he became, um, in other traditions, they have other cultures, they have something similar. Mm-hmm. And, oh, you yeah. know, the, oh, yeah. and I found that, you know, again, what the person was saying was that it was like something that happened in the Hindu uh, culture and the, their mythology, and then of course they were also likening it unto um, Jesus Christ and mm-hmm. you know the shining hope and the this and, and all of that, and then their death and the, the the intensity of what happened and the the representation of what it was about um, the the end of yep. one the end times of one thing and the beginning of another. Um, and it, yeah, it, there's it, even it, mythology from South America with yeah. the winged serpent. That is yeah. that same story of this perfect, often white, shining being whose death brings the next aeon, the a death and slash resurrection. Right. So mm-hmm. This is a this is a cross cultural myth. It's all yeah. over the world. You know, there's yeah. something fascinating about that. And I found this. You know, because it was like, wow, okay, you know, this is how you see it, and this is, and but it is, and so to do that says that the myth, the 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 story, is a valid mm-hmm. story, but no one person, no one myth, no one story is the only one, right? And I think that's where. Um, a lot of of what is you know eventually taken out of these things in their time, and uh, I want to go with the word abuse, abused to get something mm-hmm. that really is the connection of the all. And I think right. um, that's the part that you know I love all of these different groups. And I can mm-hmm. see the beauty in them, but I can also see yeah. where. They can the, the destructiveness of it, and yeah. you know we don't need to go into that because that's not part of this whole thing. But it it is a theme, and this theme is very strong in all cultures. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, and so. you can easily see how it gets abused, right? Like if you look at Baldur's myth, he his death signals the end of times, Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. and that and if you look even at Christianity's influence and revelation in the end of times from that mythos perspective, there is this idea that that's it and the chosen ones get to live on. But in virtually every culture where you find this version of the story, it's not. It's the, there is a, the new aeon begins, the new world begins, the, the new thing begins. And so, um, it's something like obviously it's not something fun. <laughs> I, you know, we're kind yeah. of experiencing something to that degree right now as humans. It's not a yeah. fun experience, uh, but it is bringing about something better, something bigger, something yeah. more than what we are right now. You know, so right. it's interesting, and it's interesting times to have this like for us to just randomly decide to be, to talk about this God. You know, it's it's I I'm always fascinated when things like that happen. <laughs> true, true. It's kind of so we should get a little history, um, just give him a little talk on history, but we probably want to do our commercial since, you know, that's we need to kinda throw that in too. Yes, that's true. So let's get that out of the way and then we'll actually talk about his story. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Alright. We'll be right. right back. Magic is coming your way right after these messages. 
LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays, 1 to 2. And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 7 to 8. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. There we all go. Right. Yay, we've got all that energy. Okay, so let's see. Who is Baldor? Who is he related to? And what is his story? We can kind of I'll just go with that and ask some questions and let you see that. Your two cents in. Yeah. You want to start? Well, I don't know. I can just say that, you know, when they say, you know, who he is, I mean, obviously we've talked about his appearance. You know, we've given the idea he is one of the two sons of Odin and Frigg, and his Mm -hmm. twin brother is Hode, and I believe that's how you say it, who is blind. And he eventually... um, Baldor marries a beautiful woman named Nana, and who's the daughter of the god Nep. Now, again, this is one version. There are other versions. Um, yeah. They eventually have a son, and I again, I'm I'm talking like you. I go, I don't know if this is going to sound right, but Forseti, yeah, and that son is basically considered the god of justice. So you have this god of beauty and renewal and joy and all of this, and his son is justice. I thought that was very mm-hmm. fascinating. Mm-hmm. So um, you want to say anything, you know, at this point, uh, give your ideas on, um, the, you know, anything at this point, jump in and, and talk about? Sure. Uh, well, I could tell the story. Yes, let's tell the story. Okay, so started to have dreams that he was going to die and it would trigger Ragnarok. And so Frigg, his mother, Odin's quote-unquote wife, uh, started to freak out (laughs) because he was invincible, so she was pretty sure that he would be okay. Uh, But she went, when he was born, she went to every creature on the earth and got an oath that they would not harm Baldur, and everyone agreed. So that's part of the reason he was invincible. But Loki, who you may have heard of, who's a bit of a trickster, he pushed Frigg and was like, okay, you know, Baldur's been having these bad dreams. Are you sure there's nothing you missed? Are you sure there's nothing... There's no creature or entity or spirit that you may have forgotten to get an oath from. And Frigg was like, oh, well, you know, I didn't ask Mistletoe, but it's not a big deal because it's just so small and harmless it should be fine. So Loki went and had a spear made from Mistletoe. And then he went to Baldur's brother, Hode, and gave him the spear and told him to throw it. And that's a whole, like, long, silly story because everything involving Loki is twisted and interesting. But it pierced the god, and he died. The one thing that could harm him. Mm-hmm. Everyone was just totally besought. And so the gods decided that they needed to go into the underworld, to the realm of hell, and get him back. So another one of Odin's sons, Hermod, agreed to make the journey, and he took Odin's horse, Sletnir, and went down into hell and Hal was like, all right, I'll let you have Baldur back, which is, you know, if you know any mythology from any culture, going to the underworld and getting the queen of the underworld to release someone is a big deal. <laughs> they don't just do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But she said the only way she would do it is if everyone and everything in the world wept for Baldur, because then she would know he was truly that beloved. So... Hermit blames what they need to do. And, of course, everyone in the whole world, everything in the whole world is weeping for Baldur. Everyone, everything was so brokenhearted, except for one creature, this giantess, um, Falk. Thanks is what her name is translated to. And in many versions of this story, it is believed that that is actually Loki in disguise. 
And that giantess refuses to to mourn for Balder, and so Balder is doomed to remain in hell for the rest of existence. Uh, and there you go. Then all of the drama ensues, and they lost their most beautiful son. Yes. And in, eventually, Odin obviously had another relationship with a giantess who had a son who became an adult in one day who went after Hode and killed him because Mm -hmm. that was the the whole thing of, you know, I hate saying this, an eye for an eye, but the concept is the same thing. I mean, it was obviously manipulated, but then again, the person who got, who did the deed has to die, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. 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 And in the poetic Edda, I mean, this is another, if you are interested in Norse mythology or heathenry or anything, Get a copy of the Prose Edda and the Poetic Edda. They're filled with the mythological tales. They were written down by Snorri Snorrelson. Snorrelson. Oh, I can't ever remember his last name. Uh, and they're based off Icelandic myths. You have to take them with a grain of salt. They're not freaking gospel. <laughs> a lot of people think they are. They're not. But Baldur mm-hmm. is mentioned in one of the books of the, the Poetic Edda in the Volsopa which is part of the Locasena. There's all these, like, books within books within books. Um, but Avolva, who is a priestess, Avolva sees Baldur's death. And this fate of Baldur sort of becomes part of Odin's obsession for his life. And after Baldur dies, he tricks another Volva. He uses magic to awaken her from her grave after she has died and forces her to answer questions by tricking her um, to try to bring him back from the dead. And so there, there is a lot about this story, but most of what we know of Baldur, most of what has been written about him or has, we've maintained writings about him are about his death. There's not a lot about his life or what was going on for him when he um, you know, was a young and happy god. <laughs> <laughs> the young days, our young days, right? Yeah, it's kind of sad because you think about it. Um, well, you know, he obviously had a beautiful castle. He had this great horse. You know, which, of course, all went into the great ship that he had, you know, this wonderful ship. And in in very Nordic tradition, um, they put him on the ship. They, you know, they, they the wife either dies of grief or, it, you know, kills herself by going onto the ship. And, of course, the horse goes. And I think they even wound up accidentally, a little dwarf got thrown in there, too, set everything mm-hmm. on fire and send it off into the ocean and you know that is the end of the shining aspect of this this god but it's it all the beautiful things it was you know you take it with you and um, I I don't know it's just I know the story and we can be very you know uh, literal about what we're saying but there's so much to say about how again you have so many cultures where that's what they do. They take all of what was their life and they mm-hmm. send it off, you know, into either a burning, you know, boat or a pyre, uh, basically set on fire, or a tomb that everybody gets stuck in. Mm-hmm. And um, we're taken with all our stuff. And yeah. uh, I don't know. I, I, I just, I read that and I'm going... Oh, okay. We, you know, because I, I know we all know the myth of the Viking boat and the, you know, the person getting put on their death and they get burned. We've seen it in how many movies, right? Um, but it's, it is something about the essence of all of who they are going with them. I guess is what how I would look at it. Mm-hmm. But I kind of had a real feel for this for this particular day, and I'm not into the Norse deities I don't resonate with it it doesn't mean that Mm -hmm. I don't like them it's just not really into my stuff and yet he seemed to be someone who was just really wonderfully beautiful person God Mm -hmm. um, 
that had this great life but was destined for it to be, you know, I don't know in God terms, age-wise, but destined to be short and to be um, the catalyst for something. Yeah. So, but, um, yeah, kind of took me on, a, on another journey all the way around because I kind of looked at, you know, the, the blind twin brother and he be the shining light and, you know, this, this whole dark and light process. And, of course, Loki gets, basically, he also gets taken and put on, what, some rocks. He's chained to the rocks and he's, you know, yeah. has poison dripping on him. But I was, like, going, holy crud, that poor dude. I mean, even though I know I, he wasn't poor dude. It was just like, he really yeah. got it more so than even yeah, Prometheus. Yeah, he's such a complicated character and creature because he causes a lot of chaos, but virtually every time there is an amazing reward to the chaos that mm-hmm. wouldn't have been possible if the trouble hadn't been started. But yeah, and he, you know, he definitely does not have a good ending. <laughs> no, he only gets, I think it's until Ragnarok happens, but you know, right. it's like he's yeah. He's kind of like has a lot of stuff because it was. Yeah, I was reading this. It was like, what was it? Um, the gods also set a poisonous snake above Loki's head so that he would drip poison onto his face and body, causing him to rise in agony and shake the mm-hmm. foundations of the earth. Um, you know, it's, it's yeah. amazingly, it's like, oh my gosh. Anyway, kind of a like, okay, you're. But he is. I mean, I don't know if Hermes or um, Mercury, you know, the Roman version, or mm-hmm. like was like that. But he too was a trickster. So it's 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 um, and I don't want to just say an archetype like it's a psychological thing, but it is something mm-hmm. that a uh, energy pattern that gets deified mm-hmm. in some form that changes, just like you say, and something terrible happens or unpleasant or unhappy. But then out of that comes this other new thing that mm-hmm. flourishes. Yeah, so. there are, again, another thing we see across the world is this trickster god concept or trickster spiritual entity concept. It's it, like there isn't a system where there isn't some sort of trickster. Uh, and that's an important part of of humanity, of our culture, of all of it, of spiritual work like that. It's not, you know, it's not to be ignored. And funnily enough, like our modern system does not make a lot of space for the trickster. And I think that that's part of the problem. <laughs> we need more of that in the, in our lives. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. It's, well, and you think about it, um, in what we talk about in our spiritual musings that we bring together in our show, we mm-hmm. uh, we look at the things that are both singular to what we're talking about, but also what is collectively out there for the whole, meaning the entire across the board process. And yeah. we've you know we did our our tarot series last last year, and of course, you know you get to power, you get to that destruction, but you have the fool, and the fool is going around doing these things, learning stuff, but there's the trickster mm-hmm. part of that that yeah. is, you know, comes into play, and I, I guess that even in that, we see the commonality that you have something that, you know, it's like, um, so, uh, you know, the loss of something really important in our lives person thing situation creates a destruction and out of that Mm -hmm. destruction we renew ourselves in some form we may sit for a while in a puddle somewhere you know um, but in truth it's opening the process to a new birth of some sort whatever that is you know and um, I mean as you said at, at one point in the show we are experiencing that in specifically in the United States. We 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 know that's happening throughout the world because we obviously get news blurbs about all kinds of stuff. But it mm-hmm. is a necessity that 
isn't fun going through no. the transitional stage at all. Right. It doesn't matter. Right. But and it's scary and it's angering and it's frightening. But start to see the changes and you start to you know there's it's kind of like the whole process of um, renewal in a different form. And and it doesn't mean everybody and everything is going to make us happy. And certainly when we go through our own personal stuff, it, there's pieces that don't make us happy at all. But we see the beauty in what's coming out of it. So. Bigger, bigger thoughts than just Baldor. I mean, this is, as, as you said, I didn't, when we sat <laughs> this time on the phone <laughs> very quickly to try and determine what we were going to do for the next month of, of things, I was looking at something a little bit more mundane, like, oh, we'll just do, you know, a goddess and a god, and then we'll do this and that. And right. um, I came with all these different once and and eventually you all will find what our system is, but I will leave it as a mystery <laughs> for the moment. Um, and we both went, oh, and you say I remember Phoenix saying Baldor, and I go, okay, fine, that's fine. And yeah. you know that was good, and we got some more things going. And I would never have guessed that when reading this and coming with this information, that it would have such poignancy to where we are where I am personally, where, mm-hmm. you know, even what you have said that's going on in your life, what the transitional process mm-hmm. and, you know, this whole thing of where we are is happening. And yeah. it's just, again, um, this is spirit moving. This is goddess moving. This is God moving. This is whatever we want to get a, a specific name or feeling about moving through whether it's us as, as radio people or our personal lives, and you just kind of go, oh, okay. So be it. <laughs> right. Kind of release into it. <laughs> so, but, um, yeah, it was kind of interesting because they have a lot of, you know, in, in the books that, you know, I'm sure both of us have been reading, um, they have a lot of pictures of him, you know, yeah. looking, you know, in beautification. And he had a certain... They basically had like a lowing cloth, you know, without being a lowing cloth, but, a, you know, and a bare chest. And, yeah. you know, he, he sometimes had a cloak on. But he was, for all intents and purposes, damn near naked. And, right. uh, <laughs> you know, the beauty of, the, of this being in all of his, you know, just being, that's it. I, I'm, I'm not putting on gorgeous clothes or giant, you know, crowns or great, you know, jewelry or whatever. And it was fascinating because yeah. I kept looking at all of them and I'm going, well, um, every one of them looked pretty much the same as the other ones that I, you know, because you got Odin, he always changes his outfits and he's always looking in a different way and, you know, kind of right. doing it. Yeah, I mean, Odin's a bit of a trickster too, really. Yeah, I know. I, yeah, over the, I mean, the poor guy tricked the the, the Sybil or Volva into, into giving him what he wanted. Mm-hmm. Did you get back? I will be still now, and he kept kind of prodding her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but anything else that you want to share at this time or you've got ideas on? Yeah, you know, I mean, the only thing I would say is if, if you are curious about this deity more, definitely check out some of the, the, the book that I suggested and do some research um, into Balder, you know, the Norse, the, the working with a Norse god, in my experience, is a, a little bit different than some of the other pantheons. There are some traditional steps and, and ways to connect and to reach out and uh, ways to give offerings and things like that. The, the Norse gods are not gods that, ask, you know, that, that um, require you to grovel or you know, whatever, they want you to be big and bold. They want you to brag. They want you to stand out. So just, you know, know that. Check it out. Find how this might fit into the work that you're already doing. I think it's, it's you know, it's been fun for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely. I haven't worked specifically with Nord. As I said, it, they haven't really called, as per se, Um but I can see where, uh, by virtue of their qualities and, and what 
I've read, they definitely don't want shrinking violets. They want people no. who, you know, will be willing to, you know, move with the mm-hmm. tenacity and energy and, you know, talk about what you do and be that rather than absolutely you know, whatever. But, um, and, you know, I, I guess in a way, because, you know, we've, We've wandered through, you know, the Greek gods and goddesses as well. I mean, the last month we did Apollo and Artemis and, and um, even your, your goddess gatherings that, you know, I've mm-hmm. attended. You know, it's, it's when they've been Greek, they're, qui- they, they're quieter in a, mm-hmm. in a quieter way than yeah. the Nordic gods and goddesses. Mm-hmm. Um, more, the, they're, I don't know. I don't yeah, want to say they're definitely different. They're really different in, in in the way they function and and what they 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 are asking about in your if you're working with them. Yeah. So, but um, you know, and then of course we we are aware that you know, everything kind of moved around and so everybody got a piece of something. But um, so yeah. So that being said, um, we have, I don't think I have anything more to say about, you know, Aldor or, you know, the, the things. I think we've been really good. And, I, you know, sometimes it's not just about talking about a, a god or a goddess and, you know, describing their, the way they look and how they, you know, how they're seen. It's a lot of times what, how do they fit into the pantheon they come from and mm-hmm. the culture they come from. But then it's also how does it fit with all the other cultures that are out there? Because the one thing that I saw with Baldor is that it was about, I don't want to say reconciliation, but the how do I we mediate between this and that to have something come out of that rather than, you know, pubble you to death because you're not, thinking the way I'm thinking or what I'm going to yeah. do. Yeah. So he was more a peacemaker than he was a, a real fighter, which may have been why he was short-lived in the Nordic pantheon. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, it's kind of like, okay, you know, make love, not war, and, you know, you're coming from a very, you know, warlike process. But interesting enough, the... The Vanier were about fertility and wealth mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, a different exploration. Yeah. And, of course, the Aesir were more warlike and, you know, conquering yeah. and things. And so the fact that they crossed, different gods went with different groups to, to cross over, created that other part of the balance. And he became, Baldur became the physical living embodiment for whatever time he was going to be here of that. Right, absolutely. So, yep. All right, well, pontification has come to a point where we need to <laughs> look at time, and I'm going, oh. Um, yeah, we're just about there. We're just about there. So um, next week is Bonadia. We're going back yeah. to the, the Mediterranean. <laughs> yes, that'll be fun. Um, yeah. yeah, that's about it. In the meantime, yeah. take care of yourselves, and thanks for listening. No problem. You take care. We'll see you on the radio next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Witch, The Priestess, and The Cauldron, a radio podcast on the LMC Radio Network. Our podcast airs live every Friday at 6 p.m. Pacific and will be available for download. Questions or comments on this show or ideas for upcoming shows can be sent to our website, and that's at www.witchpriestesscauldron.com. Again, that's witchpriestesscauldron.com. 
On behalf of Elvira, Phoenix, Alan, and myself, Gwion Raven, a big merry meet and merry part and merry meet again. Blessed be. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.